corner of Carnegie and Ontario. A swing and a drive! Welcome into this third edition of Rolling with the Tribe here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you might be listening to this podcast. Again, thank you very much. My name is uh, Peter Nav. Thank you very much for joining me. We have a lot to cover on this edition of Rolling with the Tribe. We're going to cover... We're going to mainly cover the Minnesota Twins series that, that the Indians had with the Minnesota Twins uh, beginning on August 24th as the Indians took on the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the last episode we did, we talked about Tristan McKenzie's Major League debut. Trist, uh, Tristan McKenzie was... Um, uh, uh, Tristan McKenzie had a pretty stellar Major League debut, and we broke that down in our last podcast. But now we... Uh, but now we go to the Indian series with the Minnesota Twins as um, as the Indians lost the... The uh, the final game, I should say, of the series against the Detroit Tigers as they lost to the Detroit Tigers on Sunday, August twenty third, by a score of seven to four. So after a tough weekend against Detroit, in which they lost two out of three, the Indians uh, the Indians went to Minnesota as they tr- as they tried uh, tried to right their wrongs against their chief division rival, the Minnesota Twins, as uh, certainly. I mean, this division has uh, turned out to be a three-team race, but obviously the Indians consider the the Twins to be their chief competition in the in the division. But as we know, this is a very tight division. But we'll talk about that later on in in future episodes and in this show. But uh, nonetheless, the Indians um, the the Indians started that series against the Minnesota Twins. Losing by a score of three to two, as in that game um, on August twenty fourth, uh, the Indians, as I said, lost by a score of three to two. Aaron Savali, a very strong start, went six innings, gave up seven hits and three earned runs, but that was not enough as the Indians' offense as the Indians' offense sputtered, and the Indians only scored two runs and lost by a score of of three to two to the to the Minnesota Twins. Uh before we um uh before we um move on to the uh, move on to the next game as we're mainly gonna uh cover wins here. I mean I'm gonna cover the losses but I'm gonna give you sound after the wins. So we're gonna move Tuesday, August twenty fifth as the Indians won four to two. But before that game, I do want to play, I do want to play you some audio. Uh, Chris Antonetti, the Indians, uh, director of baseball operations met with the media to give us an important update on the status of Indians manager, Terry Francona. So before we go any further with, with the result of the Indians game 
on August 25th against the Minnesota Twins. I did want to let you hear what the Indians, uh, Chris Antonetti had to say to the media before the Indians game against the Twins on August 25th regarding the health of manager Terry Francona. So I'm happy to answer questions. Um, I thought I'd first share an update on Tito. Uh, I talked with him earlier today, and um, he encouraged me to maybe elaborate and share some additional details about what he's working through. So um, as you know, Tito is going through some some issues uh, over the course of the past few weeks. Uh, as he was getting evaluated for those, uh, the doctors determined uh, after a series of tests that he had some uh, clotting issues in his blood. Um, so what they did is the procedure last Friday was um, designed to, they added a stint, which basically allows the blood flow to work around uh, what was a clogged filter in his, uh, in his veins. And so that was a procedure that was done at the clinic last Friday. Um, Tito's in the process of recovering from that. The outlook's obviously very good, um, but, you know, he's banged up from, from the uh, procedure. He's in the process of recovering, um, but it's still pretty sore. Uh, in fact, very sore. And it's not to be, that's not unexpected, but it'll just take him a little while to feel better. So he's on the path to recovery, um, but it may take a little bit of time for him to get back into the dugout. And with that, I'll open up to questions either about that or anything else. Chris, can you take us through the decision uh, with Clevenger for tomorrow? Sure. Um, I think as I have mentioned and been pretty consistent, um, you know, we'll continue to make decisions that we think put our team in the best position to be successful. And tomorrow night we determined that, you know, we had a opening in the rotation. And so we spent some time thinking organizationally who would be the best person to, to fill in that spot. We, had, we felt we had a number of really good choices um, at the alternate site. Um, we also considered Adam Plucko to, to remain in the rotation. And in the end, we felt that uh, going with Mike was the best thing for our team. And that's why we uh, made the decision that we did. Chris, did you run that by the players? Did you, did you discuss that um, internally with the players before making that decision? Yeah, I'm not going to go into all of the details, but certainly um, did have engagement with our players. And I, I do feel that our team is ready to have fun back and, um, ready for him to go out on the mound and compete and help us win games. Chris, are you, uh, I guess, satisfied or whatever that kind of they figured out what happened there and why, you know, why people were upset and so on? Again, I would, at the appropriate time, I think it's best to have Mike answer those questions, but I am comfortable with that fact. And I think most importantly, the team is comfortable. Um, we've had, I think Mike has had a chance to, uh, reflect upon a lot over the course of the last um, week, 10 days, um, and is really eager to rejoin the team and, and, and get back up here and help us win games. And I know in talking to our players, we're all ready to have him back and looking forward to having him go out tomorrow night and pitch the way we all know he's capable of pitching. And just one, one other thing, Chris, uh, what about Polizak? So right after I called Mike to share the news that he will be recalled tomorrow, I followed up and talked with Zach to explain the decision uh, and let him know that we don't yet have an opportunity for him at the major league level. But as we've all seen time and time again, that can change very quickly. So it's up to him to continue to pitch the way he's capable of pitching, continue to put in the work, and be an option for us whenever we have the opportunity for him. Chris, 
Chris, did, did Mike speak to his teammates personally or via text or phone or whatever? Do you know anything about any of those communications? Yeah, Tom, again, out of respect to the team dynamic and the relationship between players and everyone else, I'm not going to go into too much in way of detail on that, but um, there has been enough, enough communication where we felt that uh, the team was ready to have those guys back and embrace them. And again, as, as we've shared before, we're all part of a family and Sometimes there are thought, there are things that happen within a family that you need to kind of make up and move on. And I think we're at that point where we're all ready to look forward. Thank you. Chris, how much did Mike did Mike throw a bullpen yesterday or is he where is he at or how deep is he capable of going tomorrow? He did. He threw a touch and feel bullpen yesterday, so he was off the mound, but not with a lot of intensity. So he's ready to make a normal start tomorrow. Chris, it's a tough question because, but this lack of hitting, lack of scoring, any thoughts? Yeah, I think there are times here where we've done a good job of string hits together and, and you know, piecing together enough runs and other times where it's been inconsistent. I think last night was a good example. I felt we had quality at bats um, for the most part last night that a lot of balls hard generated opportunities, but just didn't get the right hits at the right time. So if we continue to give ourselves chances, if we continue to have quality at bats, eventually, you know, we'll have a few more runners across the plate. Hey, Chris, I don't know when we'll talk to you before Monday. Do you expect to be active at the trade deadline? I think we'll continue to have conversations, Jeff. Um, that's just the nature of this time of year. I wasn't sure exactly what to expect uh, with the unique circumstances that the deadline presents this year. But what we found is that there is a lot of activity among teams and a lot of dialogue where that will lead uh, is difficult to predict just like it is in any year, but there's, there is dialogue among teams and it would be impossible though for me to handicap the likelihood of, of something getting done or not. Does it feel like a normal deadline though, Chris, do you approach this like you would any other deadline or because of the circumstances, is it just naturally different? Uh, nothing feels normal right now, Jason. As I'm sitting here talking to you with a mask on Zoom. So, all right, fair. I'm not fair. sure I know what normal feels like. So, I think what we've done is compartmentalize and like let's deal with the reality we have, and that's you know the current <laughs> environment, and then try to make the best of that. But um, to say it's the same as past deadlines, I think that would be difficult to say. But do you target the same values? I guess. Do you look? Do you do you approach it as if? We need to get better here. This is this is what we prioritize. This is who we're willing to, to deal. Is it is that part of it feel the same or no? So I think going into each deadline, we try to have a strategy of what are we seeking to accomplish during the deadline. And that will be no different this year than it has been in past years. What might be different is exactly our ability to either execute that strategy or um, you know make deals that are in line with that just because we this is a unique set of circumstances that none of us have dealt with before. My weekly mail one for you. Oh, great. Right. Thank uh, you. Does Schwab ever come down here? I don't think so. He's in the second floor now. Oh, you may want to mute his mic. Thank you. Are there financial restrictions with the trade deadline and what you guys can um, afford to acquire? I do think this year, Zach, is very different. I think we've been pretty transparent about the magnitude of our financial losses. Uh, I think that's the case for a lot of teams across the industry. So how different teams will weigh the financial component of trades is again, another thing that's difficult to predict, but we've all been affected by the pandemic and 
you know, as an industry, have lost a ton of revenue because of our inability to you know, play a lot of games and have fans in the ballpark. Is is Nolan Jones strictly at third base over in Eastlake? Uh, he's primarily playing third base, yes. Because, I mean, I don't know if you, you guys brought up McKenzie. I don't know if you would give consideration to Nolan Jones. Obviously, third base is taken, but um, would there be any consideration to trying to find a way to, to get him some reps? I think it would come down to opportunity, Zach, and, and where we would have an opportunity and whether or not you know we felt Nolan was the, was the best guy for learning opportunities there. But he continues to put in a lot of work. Nolan's among our, the hardest workers in our system, and he continues to progress and get better. Um, but difficult to predict exactly when that major league opportunity might come. And that was Indians President of Baseball Operations, Chris Antonetti, meeting with the media before the Indians game on Tuesday, August 25th, to talk about, um, to talk about the status of Indians manager Terry Francona, as, um, of course, Terry Francona, um, has been away from the team for quite a while. And, and Chris Antonetti doesn't talk to the media very much, so I just wanted to let you guys hear that and hear his entire interview. And of course, you heard him or hear his entire media availability, and you heard him talk about the um, uh, the, the status of Mike Clevenger. Of course, that was the day um, that press conference was the day before uh, his. His first start for the Indians since he came back from his uh, suspension, at, or I should say demotion, I guess you will. Uh, I guess I should say from, uh, you know, down to Eastlake and, you know, down to the alternate camp uh, as both Mike Clovenger and Zach Plesak, uh were demoted to the alternate camp um, over in Lake County. And so... Um, so what you just heard there was uh, Chris Antonetti giving an update on uh, both uh, manager Terry Francona as well as um, w- what he was planning to do with uh, Mike Clevenger and, and Zach Plesak as well as what he thought about the, um, about the trading deadline in this strange season. So I just wanted you to hear that. And now, now we'll move to the ball game itself. On Tuesday, August 25th, as the Indians took on the Minnesota Twins, and they got a very solid start from uh, from Shane Beaver. As Shane Beaver went six innings, gave up four hits and two runs on the night. Uh, a, a very solid start by Shane Beaver. The Indians just have a a plethora of young starting pitching. I mean, the Indians have a commodity in baseball that that no other team really has to the extent the Indians do and the Indians uh use that use that to their advantage a lot and um it's amazing what a small market team like the Indians are able to do with so much young starting pitching and now you can add Tristan McKenzie to that list and as we'll talk about in future episodes but again Shane Bieber with another outstanding uh, performances. He went six innings, gave up two runs on four hits in the win against Minnesota. The big blow offensively for for the Indians in the game on Tuesday, August 25th, was a home run by Francisco Lindor. As Francisco Lindor 
excuse me, Francisco Lindor provided a spark for the offense. Excuse me, in the bottom of the sixth inning, Francisco Lindor would come up to the plate in a big spot for the Indians as the Indians were trailing by a score of 2-1 to one when Francisco Lindor stepped up to the plate courtesy of the Cleveland Indians radio network. Now the 1-2 pitch. Swung on it, blasted into deep right field. Forget about it. And the Indians take the lead on a two-run homer to right by Francisco Lindor. And Lindor with his fifth home run of the year, all left-handed, has put the tribe on top 3-2 to two here in the sixth. And maybe that'll get Frankie Lindor going. Because this Indians offense is not going to percolate until Lindor, Ramirez, and Santana are click clicking. That would be as that cut off a little short. But again, that was uh, Tom Hamilton with the home run call, courtesy of the Cleveland Indians Radio Network, WTAM eleven hundred and one hundred point seven WMMS, and the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Again, thank you for that audio. Thank you to them for that audio of the home run call. So again, Francisco Lindor with the key home run to give the Indians the lead, and the Indians would add a double on top of that, as that double was by Tyler Naquin to give them a four to two lead, and that and that is how the game would end. Uh, pitching wise for the Indians, uh, the game uh, the, uh, the game looked like this. Of course, I mentioned the game being started by Shane Beaver. And then, um, and then the, and then the relievers who finished it out, uh, and, and pitched very well were, um, the, the relievers who finished it out were Oliver Perez, uh, James Karinchek, and Brad Hand finished out the game as the Indians finished the 4-2 win over the Minnesota Twins. Here is, uh, Francisco Lindor, Sandy Alomar, uh, junior acting manager Sandy Alomar Jr. and Shane Beaver. Again, this is Francisco Lindor, Sandy Alomar Jr., and Shane Beaver. You turned and screamed at the dugout. Let's go. That's what I said. Let's go. Vamos arriba, which is let's go in Spanish. Did it just feel, just feel right for that moment? Did it feel like some things behind you now and you're ready to go? Yeah, man. It's just emotions in the game, you know. Yeah. Not trying to show anybody off. I'm not trying to disrespect the game. I am who I am, and I play the game. Uh, I play the game. Not trying to disrespect nobody. Just get the, the the team going. If we don't get the team going, there's no fans to get us going. So we we got to do ourselves. Thanks, Frankie. Um, just what is this this series meant to you guys? Because you don't play them nearly as many times as you would. What does it mean to get this one, especially the way Shane pitched for you guys tonight? It's huge. It's huge. They they obviously have a great team. Um, they their pitching staff is good. Their hitters are outstanding. Um, and to even see this today was extremely important. Um, we have a month left of games, so every every game counts since they won. So even the station has only thirty game twenty nine games left. You talk about the season only having 30 more games, and for a lot of you guys, usually 30 games in, you're just still getting warm. How are yeah. you kind of – you know what I mean? Like, how are you trying to yeah. get through that and not mentally make it out a problem? 
Yeah, no, I just understand that uh, the numbers will be there at the end of the year. Um, can't compare your numbers right now um, with how they're gonna they're supposed to end up because at the end of the day, um, there'll be some players hitting 450, 400, 350, and then they'll end up hitting 320. Um, whoever's gonna hit um, 320 is gonna hit 320. Whoever's gonna hit 280 is gonna hit 280. Whoever's gonna hit 200 will hit 200 no matter what. Michael Brownlee always said to me, if you're a 200 hitter, you will hit 200. If you're a 280 hitter, you will hit 280. Um, it's just, it's just part of the game. How impressed have you been by what you guys' bullpen has been able to do this year, especially Karen Cech and Ollie? Um, just, I'm extremely proud. I'm very, very happy. They they work hard every single day, and they have a shirt that says "Born Ready." They are. They're ready. You, you any one of them, you call them. They're ready to go. They're ready to help us win, and that's what it's all about. They've been a huge part of our success uh, right now, and they will help us. God willing, when we make it to the playoffs. Frankie, with with Clev pitching tomorrow, what was kind of the message in the clubhouse just to your guys' perspective, inviting him back in and and kind of moving forward? You said it right there. Move forward. Turn the page. Turn the page. Um, There's a a book with a lot of chapters and a lot of pages in it. Um, It is one of those college books. This is not a... um, middle school book. So he's turned the page. We have, we are on to the next um, chapter of the book. Um, don't, please don't leave my guys alone. This is, it is what it is. It is what it is. We have events in the past. Let's focus on the future. Let's focus on doing things the right way. Um, and let's focus on the things that actually matter. Um, with all the things that are happening in society. That, that's extremely important. It's extremely huge. And there's a lot of people out there suffering. Um, and just just turn the page and just focus on on the big things in life for sure. And now we're going to hear from acting manager Sandy Alomar Jr. I talked to Carl and he felt like Beaver may not have had his best stuff, but tonight says a lot about him and how he was able to get through things. What, what would you think about what he did tonight? I I completely agree with Carl. One hundred percent. He he seems to to be over rotating with his lower half. And he was out of whack a little bit, so he didn't have his best command early in the game. But it shows you uh, when you compete and you're an ace, you find ways to navigate through a lineup or to fight at least. So he did a fantastic job with that. Um, later on in the game, he got better, and he was able to, to uh, go to six. He wanted to go back in the seven, but you know, he had to fight too hard. So we uh, convinced him that uh, that was enough. You've known Frankie for a while. How, obviously, it's a big hit for you guys tonight, but how big is it for Frankie to get a hit like that for you guys? That was, that was huge. And, and I think Frankie was so uh, focused today because he won, you know, he, he knows that uh, the pitchers are not getting that support uh, of late. And uh, uh, Beaver was pitching, and, he, and Beaver was uh, busting his butt out there. So they, he was extra focused for that bat. Can you talk about just what Ali Perez and Karen Jack were able to do for you guys in a game like this? It's huge. It's huge. Uh, Ali Perez, uh, you know, he's he has a good experience against Minnesota, and he has a good matchup with a lot of other guys. And with this new rule, you have to, you know, 
you have to leave him out there against some righties too. So like Oliver Pereira has experience starting. He used to be a starter. So most of the time guys that I uh, used to be starters can, can navigate uh, lefty righties and have an idea what to do. I was going to ask you with Polanco what the thought process was. <laughs> I think he's hit, I, well, you know, it's one of those questions if it goes wrong, he's hitting over 300 right-handed, hitting in the twos left-handed. So, yeah, so, so, so the marker was Polanco and then uh, Karen Chi was going to face uh, Cruz. But I understand something about 244, and it was not 244, it was 249. So we, we let Perez face uh, Polanco and then. Uh, that was going to be his last hitter. Um, do you talk to the team? All right, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Do you, do you talk to the team um, knowing that Clev is coming back? Like, how do you how do you work through that? No, we we uh, we discuss that the players talk about each other. Uh, uh, that's what I was talking about early in the press conference. Uh, there was a code of conduct, you know. Uh, uh, paper that was passed around and the guys are talking about it and uh some of the players to to welcome Clef. you know uh, we uh we had too many meetings about that about what happened it's time to start healing and uh move forward i think the players are understanding the situation at the end of the day you know it's one of your uh, one of your teammates that made a mistake actually actually two guys but you know it's time to move on and uh start with the healing process Shane, um, talking to Carl and Sandy, they, they both were impressed that you may not have had your best stuff, but you navigated through. What helped This is Shane Beaver. Um, those guys, exactly. And Roberto and um, just the entire team tonight, uh, I was telling them, you know, things didn't feel right. I was kind of fighting myself the whole way through my delivery. Um, and at the end of the day, you can notice all that stuff. You can try and make adjustments, but at the end of the day, you got to compete. And so I was telling them to just, just stay with me. Um, you know, we'll figure it out. And, and it took a little bit longer to figure it out than I would have liked, but eventually got it down and, and, and figured out my mechanics and my delivery in that sixth inning. But um, <clears throat> can't say enough about how the boys picked me up tonight. That was huge on so many different levels, um, not only on defense, but, you know, especially on offense, Frankie and, and Naquin coming up huge. Um, it was just a, a really, really good and big team win tonight. Shane, that homer by Frankie felt big. Did it feel that big in the dugout? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he put a good at-bat together, kind of had a feeling. Um, I'm sure you guys could feel it too, that something good was going to happen. We were going to put a rally together. And uh, no, I wasn't sure it was just going to be one swing, but it's always nice when it was so or when it is. And uh, that was a, a huge home run. You can kind of feel it uh, in the dugout. Obviously, you saw Frankie's reaction. And, uh, you know, we were kind of just hanging in there for as long as possible until we could make our move, and that was it. How fun is it to watch a guy like Ali Perez and just, you know, get that double play? And that's just what he's done for you guys overall, but just what he did tonight. That was huge because um, check is warming up. Uh, runners on first and second. And... Uh, you know, Ollie comes up and gets that ground ball double play that that we were able to save Karen check for the eighth inning and then go to Brad and, and close it out. So um, that affected a lot of things. But Oliver to do what he's done, you know, not only this year, but every year um, for for 18 plus is absolutely incredible. He's the man. Um, 
and he's very special in our in our clubhouse and on the field. So that was awesome to see. Dane, Frankie was saying, you know, with Clev coming back tomorrow, and we're at the halfway point of the season already. Like, does it almost feel like it's just time to kind of turn the page and move on and just focus on what you guys need to do here over the last few weeks? Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's been time consuming to say the least, but I feel like we've managed it well as a team in the clubhouse, uh, as individuals. And at this point it's time to move on. We all got a job to do and that job is to go out and win. And, uh, you know, Clev and, and Plea are some of the best at their job and, you know, we need them to win as well. So, um, I think we're all excited to kind of move on as a team and, and get that going. Frankie Lindor, Sandy Elmar Jr., and Shane Beaver talking after the Indians' 4-2 victory over the Minnesota Twins on August 25th. We move on now to August 26th as the Indians Indians continued their winning ways as they defeated the Minnesota Twins by a score of six, uh, excuse me, by a score of six to three. In this ball game, as we as we take a look at the line score, some things that jump out here for the Indians. Uh, Mike Clevenger went six innings and in his return from his uh, hiatus from the team because of his um, because of his decisions, along with Zach Plesac in Chicago, which we covered on the first podcast. Mike Clevenger returning to the team went a very solid six innings. Uh, he gave up eight hits, but only two, but only two runs. So a very solid start by Mike Clevenger. As again, he won six innings, gave up eight hits and two earned runs in the ball game. As the Indians went on to win by a score of six to three. Looking looking at the offense for the Indians, looking at the offense for the Indians, uh, Jose Ramirez hit a home run for the Indians as as that was a. Uh, as that was a big three uh, three run blow for the Indians, uh, to um, that was their first three runs that gave them a three to two lead at the time in the bottom of the third inning, and then uh, and then the Indians got a um, got a single from or, 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 excuse me, uh, check that Minnesota uh, got a single t- uh, to tie it up at three, and then Tyler Naquin. Uh, doubled as he broke the tie and gave the Indians the four to three lead, and then Greg Allen with a sack fly to get, to give the Indians, uh, um, or, uh, excuse me, uh, Greg Allen with a sack fly to to give the Indians the five to three lead, and then Cesar Hernandez with a single, uh, an RBI single to give the Indians the six to three lead, and that is how the game ended. So. We are going to hear from uh, we're going to hear from Tyler Naquin. Uh, we're going to hear from Sandy Alomar Jr. and we are going to hear from um, uh, and excuse me and we are going to hear from Greg Allen as well. Again, we're going to hear from Tyler Naquin, Sandy Alomar Jr. and Greg Allen. The Indians get a much needed win against uh, their toughest. Uh, division opponent again in the Minnesota Twins. Obviously, it's going to be a very tight race as we'll continue to talk about as we move forward on this podcast. But obviously, the Indians and Twins coming into the year were considered to be the two 
uh, perennial contenders. But we shall see how this division is going to shake out. We're going to uh, talk about that uh, coming up. But uh, uh, in this sound, the f- uh, the first person uh, the first person we're going to hear uh, the first person we're going to hear from is Tyler Naquin, and and then I will. Uh, and then I, and then I will update you as we uh, as we move through the sound. But the first person that we are the first person that we're going to hear from is uh, Tyler Naquin as he addressed the media after the Indians uh, after the Indians won by a score of six to three. Okay, here is Tyler Naquin. Tyler, what what allowed you to go the, the opposite way there in uh, on a double? Just hitting it where it's pitched, you know. I mean, we, you know, that's our job. You know, sometimes we go up there, a uh, guy like Romo, you know, he's got good stuff, and you know, he's going to try and keep you off balance with his changeup and slider, um, and just not trying to do too much. You know, that's you know, I saw him. Uh, I guess it was two night when I hit the slider in the gap. It's just you, you got to, you can't, you can't get big on him. And through that changeup, the first one fouled off, and the next one he left a little bit more uh, over the plate, and I was able to just shoot it the other way. Hey, Tyler. What uh, what was it like to have Clev back tonight? Um, it, it felt like you guys welcomed him back. Um, how did that all go with him? It was good. I think you know we're we're all professionals here, and and uh, you know you always want to see the man next to you succeed, um, no matter no matter what the circumstances. You know, uh, one thing Clev is going to do is come out and he's going to give you his all every time he throws the rubber, and uh, you know we're gonna, we're going to play hard behind him every single time. Um, you know, put this behind us and, and remember that we're here to play baseball. Tyler, was there any talk maybe in not playing this game? A, a, a few teams did not play because of uh, the protest in, uh, in, in Wisconsin. I didn't, I didn't hear any, we didn't hear, have any words or any, any talk at all about that actually. Tyler, what do you think? the last two nights have revealed uh, about you and, and the rest of this Indians team? I think it's just, you know, we, we come to the ballpark to win every single day. You know, that's, the, that's what we do. And, and it's just, you know, you got to play hard until the last out. I mean, every last pitch, every inch counts. Um, and just keep playing hard until, you know, until the last out is made. And, and I think just, you know, uh, that's a good team over there in Minnesota. And uh, just keep playing hard and, and, and play to the last out. You know, play every out hard. This is Sandy Alomar Jr. What'd you think of uh, Cookie? Or what'd you? I'm sorry. What'd you think of Clev? Um, and what'd you think of him early and how he kind of settled in? Uh, you can see a little bit of uh, rust. You know, rusty for not competing for over two weeks and anxious at first. So you know, talking to Rivera Perez. He was mentioned that uh, his ball, his fastball was cutting a little bit. But after he settled down, he's, he had the best fastball today he had the whole year. And uh, he was able to miss his breaking ball. Roberto keep pushing the change of that way until the breaking ball comes back. But, I mean, he was uh, – that was impressive for not being, you know, on the mound for more than two weeks and competing at the big level. Again, the Minnesota Twin was uh, – Great performance. Naquin, obviously, with a big hit tonight, but he's kind of consistently been hitting pretty well for you guys for a couple of weeks now, correct? Correct. You know, he's putting good at-bats. There's no reason to uh, ask him to bunt. If he's uh, 
swing the bat that good. So I have a lot of confidence in Nick right now. Uh, and uh, he's de- he's delivering. He's, he's making, you know, he's putting good, uh, good swing and good approaches on, on the baseball. What did you think of Phil Matan and what he was able to do? Yeah, he's uh, he's been a, uh, a project of spring training. Uh, the guys really love the way his ball ride, great breaking ball, and he's becoming very effective against lefties. So he's a, he's a, he's a good weapon to have in the pen now that uh, you need uh, to face three batters. He's, he's doing a great job. Hey, Sandy, I know you guys want to turn the page on the, the situation with Mike and Zach. Did it feel natural? Did it feel normal? Did it feel like they were back and part of the team again? Uh, at first, it was kind of like a kind of shy away a little bit. Not not from Clevenger, you know, from kind of like being rah, 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 let's go. You know, and normally Clevenger comes in and just give high five to everybody. He was more quiet today. He wanted to make sure he's, uh, you know, accepted by the guys and the guys did. And he won himself in and you know, I don't know if that he, he carried that to the mound the first couple of innings, but after a while, he settled down. He was the same guy, but, uh, you know, the guys did a good job uh, accepting him here. Hey, Sandy, when you when uh, Rocco went out there in the eighth inning, it looked like he was caught. He didn't have anybody warming up. What did you ask <laughs> the umps and what, what was that scenario? Well, I went out there. First of all, I said, well, that's that's only two batters. His face is second. There's nobody warming up. Did he call somebody out there? But I, because I'm not sure the rule says that uh, if he goes out there, he's supposed to be thrown out of the game. So not the pitcher, the manager. Right. So I wasn't completely sure about that. But as soon as I walked out, he said, no, he was calling the infielders in, not, 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 not the pitcher. So that's why I kind of walked away right away. Okay, I said, Rocco, you know, you know, Bardelli is a very smart guy. I mean, I'm not saying that, that anybody can make mistakes, thinking that somebody out there. I've seen it in the past many times when I was playing too. So I... I was trying to verify what was going on. I know baseball is a long season, but and you can't get too high or too low, but how nice is it to have a series like this against a team that you guys are chasing a little bit right now and to see you guys, how you've won the last two nights? We always, we always play a competitive baseball against Minnesota. I mean, last year we won more games than we lost against them. So they know we come and play them good. We have the pitching to compete with them. Uh, they offensively they uh, they have carried some big sticks and a lot of home a lot of power, but our pitching you know have done a very good job against them uh, controlling a little bit. Uh, that was the case tonight. You know they came in early and hit, but then after that, Clevenger settled down and uh, it was a, a pitching night. And uh, uh, anytime you you win the series against Minnesota, it's great. You're chasing them and. You know, we had a tough uh, series against Detroit, so we take this one. And now here's Greg Allen. <laughs> Greg, what is it about facing that pitcher that brings out the best in you? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, no, I mean, obviously, he has good stuff on the mound. Uh, he's a race for a reason. Um, so I think, you know, going in, it's going to be a tough at bat. Uh, you're going to have to grind it out. Um, really stick to your plan and, and, and just do the best you can to compete. Um, we had a solid outing at the end of the day. Uh, Posey was able to get him with the – with a three-run homer there, but outside of that, he threw pretty well. So uh, we were just fortunate to scratch some, scratch some runs across and then get some later. On that double that was hit over Delino's head, what was going through your mind, and when did you know you had to pick it up to go get it just in case he didn't catch it so it didn't become a triple or inside the park home run? At first, off the bat, just trying to, you know, give him some help, uh, let him know 
to get back. And as he's getting towards the wall, um, you know, he got a great read on it, uh, put himself in a really good position to, to, to try and make a play there. Um, unfortunately, the ball uh, hit off the wall. And at that point, just doing the best I can as a good teammate, backing up um, just, to, just to understand that, you know, he has the ability to be aggressive there. Um, and, and our job as corner outfitters or the off outfitters are to make sure that he has some help back there. On the ball hit by Cruz, did you know where you were at when you were getting ready to catch it or were you just waiting to hit fill the wall? I knew that I was getting close. Um, took a quick peek there as I was working back. Um, you know, Cruz has tremendous power. So um, under understanding just kind of, you know, how he hit that ball and um, was able to, you know, have some room there at the end and make that catch. Greg, is you wear that shirt that you have on and as you kind of see what's going around our country right now, whether it be in Wisconsin or other places, just what are your thoughts on, on what you can do in the place He's you wearing are a shirt right that now says, and to racism. try to change what this world is about? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's clearly a whole lot going on um, in today's world and, you know, in our society. And um, you have people across the board who, who, who have their opinions um, and the people part about living in this country, we're all entitled to that. Um, but I think, you know, at the very foundation, I think, you know, whether you're, you know, on one side or the other, uh, I think we all understand that, um, you know, there needs to be some kind of change. Um, something needs to be addressed. Um, it's not something that can happen overnight. I can't sit here and tell you that I have all the answers. I don't think any one person can. Um, I think it's going to take a collective effort. Um, I think it's, 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 it's about getting to understand the people next to you. Um, regardless of gender, race, breed, age, um, and, and, and any other type of predisposition, um, and, and really understanding uh, just at a human core level, um, the world that we live in. Um, we're all in this together, and the only way that this gets better um, is by relying on one another. So um, it's a tough time, but uh, I definitely uh, I have hope, you know, hope for our country, hope for the people, even in today's world, even this current generation. Um, that we have the ability to affect change. Greg, was, was there any talk about not playing today? Uh, some teams did not. Um, so for us, I think when we first started getting word that some teams weren't, I think the first um, indication we had of it was when the Brewers decided that they were going to play. Um, at that point, I think we maybe had been about 45 minutes or so outside of first pitch. Um, so rather, we, we, there really was no conversation about it. I don't think, you know, across anybody's mind at that point. Um, had we been in a different time zone or had a later game or stuff had happened sooner, maybe. Um, but for us, even though we, we, we had seen it, you know, we were still um, just getting ourselves prepared to go play tonight. Hey, Greg, that was all so well said. Um, do, do the events that are going on around us then maybe bring per- some perspective in terms of Mike Clevenger's situation that, you know, that this is something that, that should be forgiven and you guys got to get past it because <laughs> – like you said, there are much bigger things going on right now. Uh, definitely. I mean, uh, again, we're all human beings. Um, I think we are uh, all susceptible to making mistakes. Um, and, and, and even on our, birth, on our best days, we're not perfect. Um, and again, I think it's about having that empathy, um, being able to look in the mirror and understand that, that it, it's, it's sometimes trial and error. Um, we're going to fall down, um, but, but we have to get ourselves back up. And when you have people that are around you want to help pick you back up, it makes that process even easier. So um, I commend our team. I commend, uh, you know, both Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak on just, just what it takes to get through this process. Uh, it, it, it definitely hasn't been easy for them, I'm sure. 
hasn't been easy for our, our team as a whole, but um, I think it's something that when we look back on it, it's going to make us stronger. It's going to make them better. It's going to make us better as teammates. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's the positives that we can take away from it. And now we're going to hear from Mike Clevenger. As this is Mike Clevenger right now. As he is coming to the podium, we're going to hear from Mike Clevenger. And, of course, as you heard, as you heard me describe, hopefully, um, it was, uh, as you heard me describe, it was uh, the shirt that Greg Allen was wearing said, end racism. This is Mike Clevenger. Uh, I just, uh, it was really just knowing how tight this division is, knowing how tight this race is right now and how every pitch is going to mean something. And it was uh, kind of overshadowing my, you know, anxiousness to do well for, you know, my redemption. You know, it was uh, it was like I couldn't get out of my head how close we were to them and how, you know, this team's been on a roll lately. I just wanted to keep, you know, those same vibes rolling through. Talk about, use the word redemption. Um, how do you plan to redeem yourself amongst that group of guys that you're so close with? Uh, we talked We talked a lot and. uh in-house privately in the meeting we had and I've been, you know, texting before I even came up back and forth with a few guys and uh, it's, I mean, it's going to be a lot, a lot of actions. It's going to be words at this point. And, uh, you know, I think they know I'm a, a guy that can show it through my actions and uh, I know I am too. So we'll go from there. Uh, was, there was there ever a point when you were concerned you might not get this opportunity to, that they would welcome you back? Uh, no, I mean, this is such such a good group of guys. I just, they're not the type, I think, to hold a grudge that long. I understand why they were hurt. I understand that it's going to take, that time was going to be the ultimate factor in the healing process. Uh, time and obviously, you know, learning that I can trust that I'm doing the right things off the field. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a matter of just talking back and forth and, uh, you know, rekindling some relationships and then, uh, you know, figuring out how I can, you know, make them feel more comfortable without, you know, where I'm headed. Sandy brought up that you may not have been the club that they were used to prior to the game of maybe high-fiving everybody. Were you conscious or are you conscious right now of maybe how they're watching you or taking you in? Yeah. I mean, I, it just, again, it was, you know, it was my mistake. It was my, uh, my mess up that caused a kind of a whirlwind for everybody for a little while. And uh, it wasn't my place to come into the clubhouse again and be the same sunshine and rah-rah and, you know, how to, you know, I'm walking on a, a tight rope right now as, as I should be. And I'll just, you know, want to show them I can contribute and uh, not be a distraction. All right. Baseball, third inning. You guys go up 3-2 on the Hosey home run. It seemed like you locked in. What helped you? Is that what helped you locked in to keep going? Yeah, it was uh, definitely not wanting to let them down after that. But it was, uh, you know, a few things clicked. You know, that was... You know, I was telling uh, Carl and Ruben uh, after camp and Mount, I started looking at all the, all the reports and the metrics on my stuff. So I'm like, this is this is me, not, not me from earlier this year. This was like old me. Things started clicking. I started feeling the same things I was feeling the last two years. And, uh, you know, that was that was the most exciting part to see. And, I mean, the velocity ticked up. Everything went back up after I really started feeling like I was like, damn, that, instead of me mimicking feelings, it almost felt like the other starts. I was going out there trying to mimic what I did before, you know, and trying to feel certain feelings. And out there, then it finally felt the biomechanics felt my hip shoulder separation. It felt everything start to click again, like it was, and have the actual real feeling versus trying to mimic a feeling. Could the three weeks off have helped with your knee? 
I mean, I'll, I'll still keep it up. I'll still throwing same same schedule, same bullpens. The only difference was I had a uh, seven days between this start and another one, and then I think I had another eight days between the last one, so a couple extra days. But uh, I think that just focusing in on the same same rehab stuff, the same strength and conditioning stuff that I was doing up here, that was really becoming very beneficial. The stuff we were figuring out I was doing the same thing down when I was in Lake County, and I think it's just again, it's just coming out of surgery. It's just that building back process, and it's just each time it's been getting better. Hey, Cleb, when did it when did it really hit you that that you had messed up, that your actions had had you know potentially jeopardized this season? When I just I, I saw the disappointment with the guys, and uh, I don't think I've ever given them a reason that I ever saw that in them at me, and I was just you know disappointed in myself that I didn't you know let them know before I got you know came back and. Uh, just I was disappointed. I, I wanted to be the first not to like someone being selfish, and that was a selfish move. So that was probably the hardest pill to swallow was that I made a really selfish choice. Is that the, the team meeting, like, in Detroit? Uh, I mean, I knew it before then. I, I mean, obviously. As I said, we still stayed in contact. They didn't just kick me to the curb, but uh, they let me know how they felt, and I, I really understood how much I disappointed them and, you know, the staff and everybody around Mike, did you did you go come forward and tell them that that you know you you had been out or how did they find out? I guess that you know, police act obviously got caught, but but what happened with you? Uh, that's going to stay in house, Wednesday. Uh, we handled that in house. That was a a long, long, long discussion, and uh, but that's uh, something we're going to keep internal. I'm sorry. What Mike with. Uh, we're, we're, in, were you thinking that this could be a showcase for you? Or do you, you know, with the trade? No, I'm trying to win a ring. I'm trying to win a ring for the tribe. I mean, until they tell me I can't wear their uniform. I mean, these are the guys. I mean, I went to the World Series with this team as a rookie. So, I mean, these, this is the team I wanted to do it with. And, uh, you know, this isn't, that's not something I'm thinking about. All I'm thinking about was we were, could be within a half game of Minnesota if we came out on top tonight. After being in East Lake for a couple of weeks, and I mean, even when you pitched, the last time for the Indians, a few weeks, it was like early in the season. And it seems like the energy is ticked up, like in the dugout, guys are louder, I think, just with, with the improved play and the offense coming through the last couple of nights. Does it feel like there's more energy than there was maybe early in the season? Do you guys feel like, you know, you're only 30 games from, from October? Yeah, that was, a, that was a, definitely a noticeable difference, either being out there and hearing how vocal the dugout was and uh, – you know, even the dugout suite with the other guys, the reserves and other pitchers in the dugout suite, how vocal they're being in there, how locked in every pitch everybody is. I think that might be the kind of silver lining we could find in this, as you know, the, the coming together after a tragedy, you know. How's Police Act doing, Mike? Really well. I mean, he's, a, he's definitely a guy that works his butt off, and this has been nothing but, you know, really a lot of fire under him. And, uh, I don't think I've ever seen someone out there on, you know, with coaches playing positions and sim games with that much fire in them. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see him back because this stuff is, it's just, it's been unreal from what he's progressed to. And it's only going to get better from here. Have they given you any indication when your next start might be or uh, when you expect to start again? Uh, I guess six days. I only have an off day. I mean, (laughs) as far as I know. What was it, the atmosphere like over at Lake County, and what was it like for you to be able to see some of the younger guys get their work in? 
it was, it was actually they had really good attitudes down there. It was uh, really cool to see. It kind of, I think, helped bring my spirits up as well as Zach's, just seeing the, how those guys have been, you know, down there on, you know, this field, wearing in the daytime, early mornings, and all over there with a smile on their face. It kind of really brings you, you know, humbles you a little bit to really realize how lucky you are to be here. What did you think of uh, Tristan McKenzie the other night? Oh, that was unreal. His stuff's unreal. And even popping 97s at 170 pounds, I mean, he's, he's going to be something special, especially this leverage when he starts to fill out. He's going to be a problem for a long time coming. Well, you kind of alluded to it uh, that you knew how much this game meant, you know, as you were going to the Roberts. I know there's not fans and it's, it's weird circumstances, but – how much did this game tonight feel like a playoff game? Well, I mean, I, I said this earlier in the year, and I really meant it, uh, especially against the Twins. Every single game is a playoff game. This is a 60-game sprint. So every single game is going to be a playoff game, especially against them. There was, uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely treated it like that this time. And even last time I did, I just didn't really have the stuff going for me. But, I mean, I, I fought hard enough to keep it at four runs last time when I had F-minus stuff that game. So, I mean, I treat every pitch like it, was a, like it, it meant everything. That was Mike Clevenger talking after the Indians uh, win against the Minnesota Twins as they defeated the Minnesota Twins in the final game of that three-game series. They defeated the Minnesota Twins by a score of 6-3 as the, as the Indians um yeah, the Indians defeated the Minnesota Twins by a score of 6-3. to three. And you know what? That was um, some very interesting stuff from Mike Clevenger. Um, first of all, I've never heard a pitcher describe his stuff as F-minus stuff. That's pretty, that's pretty honest. And also, I, it was very interesting to hear what, what he had to say about his, his experience in Lake County. I'm glad, I'm glad that it humbled him. And I, and I think, I think it was a good experience for him in that regard. I mean, we talked, we talked about, uh, on the first podcast, we talked about how Zach, uh, Zach Plesak handled the situation. He was not nearly as mature about it as Mike Clevenger was. And that certainly needs to be pointed out as Mike Clevenger certainly had a lot more class in handling the situation than, um, than Zach Plesak did, and that and that's certainly worth worth noting. Um, so that's that's about all that's about all the time that we have for this podcast. As we're as we're gonna um, as we're gonna cover one series per podcast again. As the Indians lost to the Minnesota Twins on Monday, August twenty fifth, by um, by a score. Excuse me, Monday, August twenty fourth. By a score of three to two, and then proceeded to uh, win by a score of four to two and a score of six to, uh, six to three, as the Indians took two out of three from the Minnesota Twins in a critical series. Um, in the next podcast, we're going to discuss. Um, in the next podcast, we're going to discuss their series against the uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals, which is very interesting. Because um, the St. Louis Cardinals, and we're going to talk about this at the beginning of the next podcast, the St. Louis Cardinals have a really interesting dynamic as they have a ton, they have a ton of doubleheaders. They have so many doubleheaders; it's unbelievable. As at one point, they, at one point, um, 
Um, just a couple weeks ago, they had 11 doubleheaders scheduled between the um, between the middle of August and the end of the season. They had 11 doubleheaders scheduled, and it'll be very interesting to see how the how the um, St. Louis Cardinals can handle that uh, handle that uh, dynamic of having 11 doubleheaders. I mean, certainly it is um, it is a little bit easier this year because there are they are seven inning doubleheaders um, because uh, of so many doubleheaders and and cancellations and whatnot. But nonetheless, the Indi- um the Indians, uh, their next series, which we're going to cover on the next podcast against the St. Louis Cardinals, is an interesting one because the St. Louis Cardinals have had a really tough season when it comes to COVID and and cancellations surrounding COVID. Um, again, thank you very much for joining me on this edition of Rolling with the Tribe. I, I hope you enjoyed hearing all those press conferences um, and uh and and so, some some of my thoughts. I mean, the Indians, uh, the the Indians have have been able to put together some uh, put together some very solid um, some very solid performances, especially pitching wise. What we're going to talk about in the next show, we're going to talk about Tristan McKenzie's next start, as he is just another of the of the many bright young pitching stars that the Indians have, and. Um, and the Indians have a, pl- a, a a plethora of pitching, which is certainly going to help them as we approach the trading deadline. So, uh, so that's um, that's about going to do it for this uh, for this show. Again, again, the Indians um, the Indians take two out of three from the Minnesota Twins on this on this next podcast. Cover the series with the St. Louis Cardinals as the Indians. Uh, head from uh, uh, as the Indians, excuse me, head from um, they head from ho- uh, from home. They head to the um, St. Louis Cardinals as uh, as as the Indians uh, try to continue their success on the road as they head to St. Louis, followed by a road trip to Kansas City. So they head to the Show Me State to take on both St. Louis and Kansas City. So next podcast, we're going to cover the Indians, um, uh, the Indians series with the St. Louis, uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And by the way, um, stay tuned as coming up uh, very shortly uh, within the next couple podcasts, we are going to hear from, uh, people like Curtis Stanberg. We are going to hear from Tom Hamilton again, and possibly we, and possibly we are going to hear from. Uh, we're going to possibly have an interview with Tribe uh, General Manager Mike Chernoff. I hope to get that interview lined up. So stay tuned for that. We have a lot more coming up as we as we are going as as we are going to talk more and more about. Um, uh, about these games, about how the how the tribe is playing in general, and about how this division is is really shaping up, and how the Detroit Tigers are a legitimate playoff team, which I know is something that we wouldn't have thought coming into the season. So, this is a very interesting race in the American League Central. Again, on our next show, we'll uh, we'll cover the Indians series with the St. Louis Cardinals and we'll cover 
everything uh, everything going on with uh, with the Indians in terms of um, in terms of their continuing their conti- their continuing dominant starting pitching with their young uh, starting pitching, including Trist- Tristan McKenzie, who we'll talk about um, at the beginning of our next podcast as he took on the St. Louis Cardinals. So before we head out of here, I want to thank. Uh, a couple people I, w- I want to thank Curtis Danberg, the senior director of communications with the Cleveland Indians. I want to thank uh, I want to thank um, Art Swain and everybody who is on the road with the tribe, uh, helping us, uh, uh, helping everybody get the audio from the road games. That is much appreciated. Again, thank you to Curtis Danberg. This is Peter Knapp signing off. Have a good night.